0: Would you turn, please, to Romans? How much time do I have today? Hmm? You want me to short you? <laughs> Has something very important, and uh, we're on a subject today, and I believe this is an extremely important part of this. I don't want it rushed. Romans sixteen, verse twenty-six. He said, now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Everybody say that last phrase, the obedience of faith. Say it again, the obedience of faith. One more time, the obedience of faith now we call ourselves faith people and we ought to be God's a faith God without faith it's impossible to please him by faith you receive your salvation by faith you live by faith you walk by faith you overcome in this life but i think sometimes people have not equated enough faith with obedience People have seen it almost like two separate subjects and categories, but you cannot separate faith from obedience. James too talks about it, without uh, faith, rather, without works or without action, or you could say without obeying and doing what he told you to do is what? It's dead, it's vain, it's empty. Is there such a thing as dead faith? Well, dead faith is faith that produces no results. Right. You say you believe stuff, but you won't act on it. That's right. And really, it's a trust issue. If, you'd want, if you're not convinced to step out on something and do it, it shows you don't believe it. You don't really trust the one who told you to do it. You can say all day long, well, I, the Lord says, go do this. And you go, Lord, I believe you. I trust you. Well, then go do it. Uh, Lord, I believe you. I trust you. I worship you. Well, do what I told you. No, I believe you. I trust you. Well, when you prove it, you don't have to talk all day long. Just do it. And you have proven that you believe him. You have proven that you trust him. Say it one more time. The obedience. The obedience, the obedience of faith. So, if you are a person of faith, what else would you be? You would be a person of obedience. You can't be a disobedient rebel and be a faith person. Does not work. Can't be. The more rebellious you are, the less of a faith person you are. The more disobedient you are, the less of a faith person you are. Now, why would people disobey? Why would people disobey? I want you to turn with me if you would to first Samuel, the 15th chapter, First Samuel 15. And I want us today to believe God to get revelation and see something crystal clear. Last week, we went into some detail about rebellion. Which is why people disobey. Somebody said, Well, no, you know, uh, you could just be mistaken. Well, then it wouldn't be disobedience, then. It'd be ignorance. People use words incorrectly. You know, like sometimes somebody will say, uh, You say, What color was it? And they say, It's red. And later on they find out it was blue. They come back and say, you know, I lied to you. That thing ain't red. It's blue. Well, you didn't lie to me if you really believed it was. Don't use words like that. You didn't lie to me. You believed it was. You weren't trying to deceive me. If you knew it was a different way than what you're saying and you're trying to cause me to believe something that's not true, you're trying to deceive me, that's a lie. And there is no excuse for it. Did you hear me? There is no, there's no absolutely never an excuse for a lie. Thank God there's forgiveness for it. There's forgiveness, but no excuse ever. No such thing as a little white lie. You ever heard people talk like that? Well, you know, I love them too much to tell them the truth. You're deceiving yourself. Did the Lord tell you it was an option? To lie to them? To protect them? To keep from hurting them? No. You got two options as a real Christian say nothing or tell the truth. Are you with me? As a Christian, a real Christian, you only got two options. So, somebody said, well, what if they pressure me? Then just tell them, uh, you know, I'm not saying, I didn't say anything until you decide what you want to say, either say nothing or tell the truth. Amen. Amen. I've had people pressure me about stuff before and uh, they say, well, what about so-and-so? And I say, well, I didn't say. They said, well, I know you didn't say, I'm asking you to say. I said, no, you didn't understand. I didn't say. If I'd have wanted to say it, I'd have said it, Amen. but I didn't say Now, people that's got smarts, they'll catch on to that real quick. And if they don't, then you'll just have to be strong and help educate them. People disobey because of rebellion. We saw last week how seriously God sees rebellion. It was a sin punishable by death. Under the first covenant. Punishable by death. We saw that under the first covenant. If you had a uh, son or a daughter. That was rebellious. And just year after year would not listen to you. You were supposed to bring them out to the community elders. And say this my son, my daughter is rebellious. They won't listen to me. They won't obey me. And the community was supposed to kill them. Stone them with stones. So, so somebody said, that's too harsh. Tell God that. Why? So that it didn't spread through the whole group. Now, thank God we're living in the day of grace and mercy. But God hasn't changed, and how he sees these things has not changed. He hates rebellion. Rebellion is the nature of the devil himself. I mean, that's him. That's the core of Satan. That's the core of the devil's person and personality. That's what he did. He had a place. Oh, he had a place in the presence of God. He had a ministry and it wasn't enough for him. He rebelled. Because he didn't want anybody over him. And telling him what to do. He's going to do what he wants to do. And he's going to throw off the Father, the Creator's place and instruction. And he's going to make himself and exalt his throne. Well, God hates that. And you can see why. How much trouble it has caused him. And in the earth. The Bible says Adam. Adam. Was not deceived. What does that mean he wasn't deceived? He knew exactly what he was doing. So what's he doing then? He knows what God has told him to do, he's crystal clear on it, and he just decides he's going to do something else. He rebelled, and as a result, now look at this every death is the result of that. Every bit of curse, every bit of destruction, every bad thing that anybody on the planet has ever experienced goes back to this rebellion and disobedience. The rebellious one that was tempting him to disobey and rebel and his own rebellion. Is it a big thing? Is it a terrible thing? Should you despise it? Should you have strong feelings against it? Said out loud, I despise rebellion. I will not be be disobedient disobedient and and rebellious. You need to feel very strongly about it, not mildly. I mean, we live in a society that uses the word rebel like it's cool, don't they? Well, I got a little stubborn streak, you know, a little rebellious. But, you know, if you're going to be a real man, you got to have a mind of your own. you got to think for yourself. It'll destroy you. This rebellious attitude. Did you all see, I forget what, I caught a piece of it on some talk show. There was this experiment that these folks did. They found this man living on the street. And they gave him, what was it, $100,000 cash? And these people wanted, they were doing an experiment, a social experiment. They wanted, you know, to prove some things that they thought. And they gave this man $100,000. And I mean, it wasn't a matter of months or something. He was back on the street again. Uh Living on the street again. Homeless with nothing. $100,000. Gone. And I was listening to They had him there interviewing him about what had happened. And he said this about three or four times. And you could see when he said it, he got animated. And uh, they asked him, well, you know, why didn't you get you a job? And why didn't you get you a vehicle? And why didn't you get you a place to stay? He said, well, he didn't like people telling him what to do. He didn't like people telling Telling him what to do. And so he wasn't able to work a job. Because somebody on the job wanted to tell him what to do. And tell him how to do it. So why is the man living in a cardboard box? Why? So see people want to make all kind of excuses. But I'm telling this is not just with his case. This is time after time. And case after case. Why does a man not have a good job and making good money and have a home and a family? Why? Rebellious. 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 And it is scripture. The Bible said in the Psalms, it said he causes the solitary to dwell in families. But it went on to talk about that the rebellious would dwell in a dry place. Now dry is descriptive of no blessing. That's right. That's right. The rebe- Everybody say that out loud. The rebellious, the rebellious will, live will live in a dry place. Let I me mean, think about the first generation of Israelites that came out of Egyptian bondage. Did they live in a dry place for 40 years because it was the plan of God for them? No. no. Why? Rebellious. Just rebellious. I mean, he said, go in and take the land. And they cried and said, we came. He said, well, all right, then turn around then and go back into the desert. Said, no, we'll go now. We'll go. And he said, Moses said, don't go. The Lord's not with you. No, we're going to go now. And got destroyed. Huh? He said, uh, go out and get to manna. Well, they, what is it? Don't go out on the Sabbath. So they went. Don't store it up, so they did. Now, there's no need in you getting all judgmental with them. <laughs> I know I was reading that one day, and I mean, if you read it all in one, uh, you know, continuity, after a while, I just set my Bible and I said, Lord, what's wrong with these folks? <laughs> I mean,. <laughs> What is wrong with them? And he said, they're a lot like y'all. I thought, oh, no, no, no. And he quoted to me, 1 Corinthians 10, these are written for your admonition. They are examples for you. Well, I don't want to be rebellious. How about you? I, God hates rebellion I do, too. But, you know, when's the last time you said, you know, man, I was rebellious about that? (laughs) When's the last time you said that? I'm waiting. (laughs) When's the last time out of your mouth you said, oh, that was rebellion. I've been really rebellious today. When's the last time you said that? Well, you see my point. Hardly anybody thinks they are. (laughs) And yet it's a mass problem. Well, where are these rebellious people? (laughs) It's none of us. And it's nobody you talk to. And yet we know the world's full of them. Where are all these rebellious people? Well, they're nearer than you think. (laughs) <laughs> but see what's happening is people are not calling rebellion rebellion they're calling it other stuff and excusing it and in doing so it continues because it is not dealt with and it is not changed and so in the next year it's going to be there too so i want us to take a good long hard look at the face of Of rebellion today. I want us to look it in the face. I want us to hear what it sounds like. I want to see how it thinks. And how it feels. And what it looks like. It's not so we can judge our brother. So we can see it in ourselves. And judge it in ourselves. And there ought to be on a regular basis. That you would see something and hear something about you. And you go whoa, whoa, whoa. That's rebellion. And I am not yielding to that. And if you never see that and hear that, it's because you're yielding to it all the time. I know in my class in uh, Submission and Authority back in Rama, we'd teach on humility and we'd teach on pride. And I had this happen more than once. People would come to me and say, Brother Keith, you know, till I took your class, I never had any trouble with pride. <laughs> I never had any trouble with pride till I took your class. And now, man, it's like I see it every day. I said, well, you don't have trouble with what you yield to. It's when you start dealing with it. As long as you're just yielding to it every day. Well, no. You're not having trouble with it. It's winning. But it's when you start dealing with it and putting it under, putting your flesh under. Now you begin to... Re- it's like, you know, you're not having trouble with smoking as long as you're smoking. <laughs> it's when you go to quit. Right? Or whatever it is. 1 Samuel 15. Are you there? The Bible holds this account up as a, I don't know how would you say it, the, uh, the definition of rebellion. Rebellion is defined, described in this passage. And I want you to see it. It has to do with a man named Saul. When you think of Saul, what do you think of? Do you, when you think Saul, King Saul, do you think a man that loved God with all his heart no. served God faithfully? No, no. no you don't. Because that's not what he's an example of. First Samuel 15. Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you to be king over his people over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou to the voice of the words of the Lord. What's he telling him? Hearken. Hearken means hear it and do it. Hearken to the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go, smite Amalek. And utterly destroy, completely destroy all that they have, and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep and camel and ass. What's the idea there? Everything. Somebody says, man, that just sounds too harsh to me. Well, this is a different day. This is a different era, a different covenant. And these people were not going to get saved and serve God. They were going to produce more enemies of God. Yes. And the Lord knew that. But he gave him, Saul hadn't been king very long. You remember not long back, actually, him being king was an act of disobedience and rebellion on the nation's part. Remember that? They said, we want a king. Samuel said, you don't need a king. God is your king. They said, yeah, but other nations have a king. And you know, he rides out in front of them, and he's got the crown and the throne, and we want a king like them. We want a king. We need a king. Samuel said, no, you don't need a king. God is your king. We're not like other nations. Yeah, but we want a king. And finally... The Lord told Samuel, don't feel so bad about it. They haven't rejected you. They've rejected me. And he said, we'll give them a king. Now, this is very interesting. The Lord told them it was not his perfect will for them to have a king. And yet he gave them a king. Did you hear this now? Why? The Lord will let you have things that's not his perfect will. He will let you do things that's not his perfect will. If you just keep pushing and just keep pushing and hard-headed and stubborn, he'll let you do it. He'll let you have it that way. Now, he told him. I mean, when he told them they're going to have the king. I mean, the thunder rolled and the lightning crashed and they all got scared. And Samuel warned them how much it was going to cost them and how it was going to be trouble for them. But picked an anointed Saul. And Saul was so insecure when they went to try to find him. He went and hid himself in the luggage. (laughs) When Samuel said, Saul's a man, God has picked Saul. Somebody said, where's Saul? I don't know. He's right over there. Well, he go. He was head and shoulders taller than everybody else. So he was hard to miss. And they couldn't find him. Had to go dig him out of the, the bags, the baggage. And they anointed him. And now he's been king for a little while. And the Lord, tell me who God used to anoint Saul king. Samuel Samuel, the prophet. He wouldn't even be king without Samuel, without God. So who should he respect? He should respect the Lord. He should respect the Lord's man that God used to put him in this place. Samuel. So the Lord sends Samuel to him and tells him, the Lord has a mission for you. You're to go to this place, you're to do this, you're to do it this way. So Saul gathered all the people together and numbered them in Talaim, 200,000 footmen, 10,000 men of Judah. Saul came to a city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. And Saul said to the Kenites, he told them to clear out. And verse... uh, uh, seven, Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah till you come to Shur, that is over against Egypt. He took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. Wait, 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 wait. He did what? He has saved the king alive. Is that what he was told to do? No. Do you think he's confused about this? No. We know as the passage goes on, No. Why did he do this? We're looking at the face of rebellion. You need to answer this question. Why did he do this? Help me out. Why did he do it? He saved the king alive. Well, you know, he's on the spot, and he knows God too, and he can be led. And he got the spirit of what Samuel meant. Huh? Are y'all with me now? Uh, Phyllis and I, I don't know how many times we've had people, helpers, volunteers, employees. You know, they do something different than what they're instructed to do. Not because of a lack of understanding. Just they had a better idea. And then get mad if they're called on it. And say, well, when are you going to trust me? I'm not a dummy. I know how to do my area. <laughs> yeah, we can see. <laughs> I know how to be led. I know how to hear from God. What well, do you know how to obey? Exactly. Because if you don't know how to obey, you don't know how to hear from God. That's right. And you are not trustworthy. And you are not qualified. Amen. Thank you, Lord. It's not how much you can come up with to vary the plan because of your superior spirituality and your sensitivity and your wisdom. And you're on the ground. You're here. You know what's going on. The prophet's back over there. And you know if he was here, he would agree with what you're doing. Well, that's not what he told you to do. God is smart. When he tells you to do something, he has already thought it through. He knows every scenario that can develop. And what he told you to do is going to be right no matter what else pops up along the way. We've had people... You know, want to quit, want to leave. Well, I don't know why you want to do it that way. Well, we know you don't know why, but there's a reason. Uh-huh. You don't know that I stayed up till four in the morning praying about it. That's right. That I thought I'd do it the way you thought too. Twelve hours ago and, and prayers and... You understand what I'm saying? Yes. But got the wisdom of God and got the plan of God. Right. And then people take it out of your hands... By doing what they think. Are you with me? This is a huge problem. And any of us leaders have experienced nothing. We've experienced a little fingernail. God is dealing with a whole planet full of this. Uh Uh He tells people to do something, and they do something else. And because they they were on the ground, and they know how to be led. And they just thought that this would be better. God knows what's better. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he's got people. He tells them to do stuff. And they won't do it for five years. And he tells people to do stuff. And they do something else. He's got a whole planet full of this. Sometimes I feel for him. God, you've got to have some serious patience. Put up with what he's putting up with. Uh But let's don't add to it. Amen, amen. There's going to be doing this anyway, but let's not be part of the problem. Let's let's be people that the Holy Ghost finds easy to work with. And when He tells you something, you do it. No more, no less, nothing else. You're not trying to prove some big thing. You're not trying to impress anybody. Not trying to come up with a better idea. You trust Him. And you figure he had the best idea to start with. So you just go ahead and do what he said. Somebody say "Obedience." obedience. Why did Saul not obey God on this particular thing? Why did he spare Agag? Rebellion. Rebellion has a better idea. Rebellion thinks it knows better. So. He took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive, and he utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people. Now later on, he blames the people, but this passage tells you it was him and the people. He wasn't just bowing to peer pressure. He thought it was a good idea too. Besides that, he's the king. They're going to do what he says. He and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the best of the oxen and the best of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good. Now you got a bunch of stuff. What did the Lord tell them to do? Now you're going to see this as we go further. If you destroy everything, what do you bring back? Nothing. And that doesn't make much of a parade. Huh? Somebody says, Saul so and them's coming back. They won the battle. So everybody gets out, lines up the street. Where's the trophies? No trophies. Where's the king? They always bring back the king, make a big show of him. No king. Any night, they find any nice cows or, or any tents or gold bars or nothing. You come back with nothing. And so people just have to take your word for it. <laughs> that it happened. That you did it. And this Saul was not satisfied with. And the people were not satisfied with. They want their parade. King should have a good parade. You go out to battle, you have a big victory, you're supposed to have a big parade. And you've got to have stuff to parade. This is the face of rebellion. You'll find the companions of rebellion are pride and deception. Am I describing the devil's nature further? Rebellion. Pride, deception. I yes. hope you got time for this. Yes. This is a very important message. You, this could change your life. Thank you, Father. This is extremely important. Do you want to know what rebellion looks like? Yes. What it sounds like? Yes. Do you want to be able to see it in yourself yes. so you don't yield to it? Yes. Every one of us has got flesh. That's right. Every one of us has got this to deal with. Yes. You'll either yield to it or you'll put it under. Overcome it. They spared Agag. They spared the best cows. They spared the best sheep. So they got this whole entourage of stuff. Everything, it was good. They would not. Verse 9, are you with me? Yes, they what? Would not Didn't say they couldn't. Said they what? Would not. They would not. They knew they were supposed to. And they just wouldn't do it. Would not. Utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refused, that they destroyed utterly. Then came the word of the Lord to Samuel, saying, this is God speaking. It repents me that I have set up Saul to be king. Oh. He is turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments And it grieved Samuel, and he cried to the Lord all night. Now, I want you to see something. This is, I know some people might have thought last Sunday was very heavy and sober and serious, and it was because it should be. Saul's career is over. Right here. Right now. It's done. He stayed in office for some time after this. He lived in the palace. He sat on the throne. But it was over here. And here's what's so sad. This is what he was born to do. This is what he is called. He's anointed, chosen of God to be the king. He's anointed by God to be the king. And he's lost it. And will not get it back in his lifetime. Rebellion is so serious. Like the scripture said. He that often being reproved. Hardens his neck. Will be destroyed. Suddenly. Without remedy. What does that mean? You keep on. Rebelling, You keep on being stubborn and stiffening your neck and resisting. You do it enough. There will come a time when you'll be judged and you'll be out and you will not be able to fix it. That's right. That's right. Now that to me is serious. Yeah, serious. To say you can't get it fixed. Right. You can't get it back. Saul lost his place as king. This is what he's... Born to be, this is what he's anointed to be, called of God, appointed to be, and he lost it and will not get it back. Now see, we live in a society that doesn't think this way. They think all oh, the man made a mistake, he made a mistake, so he's got a problem with stubbornness, you know? Cut the man a break. Tell God that. He does not think that way. We're not talking about a man making a mistake. He knew better. And he would not repent. That's the real issue. You see, that's why God saw his heart. When he's saying this, he knows Saul is not going to change. He's not going to change. And he says, it repents me that I put him in there. We're talking about God. Think about what the, God said. I wish I hadn't put him in. It grieves me that I put him in. God said it. Whew. Somebody said, not, not me. I will not be like this. Be like this. By, the God, By the grace of God, I will not rebel, I will not, rebel. I will not disobey. It grieved Samuel because he knew how serious it was. He lay before the Lord all night and he cried and he prayed. And if you read on, you'll see this didn't just happen one night. This went on and on and on until finally the Lord told Samuel, get up from there. Quit praying about this. Quit talking to me about him and go over there and anoint David, Jesse's boy. Wow. Wow. Now, Samuel rose up to meet Saul early in the morning. And it was told, Samuel, Saul comes to Carmel and behold, he set him up a place. Set what? He's done what? He set him up a place. Can you see what this is about? Hmm? He set him up a war monument, a tribute to himself. He's bringing in trophies. Mm -hmm. He's got a parade. He's man of the hour. He's a fool that has lost his place. Can you see this? Oh yeah, he's going to make a lot of noise. He's going to be front and center. Everybody's going to see him for the next few days. But he's already lost his place. His God-given call and place. He's already lost it. Because he won't repent. He set him up a place and he went about and he passed on. He's gone down to Gilgal. Samuel came to Saul and Saul comes out to him. He says, blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. He knew he hadn't. I said he knew he hadn't. He knew he had not done it. But you know what he's doing? They're in front of all the people. I said, they're in front of all the people, and he is hoping Samuel's not going to call him on it. He's hoping, well, you know, we'll just let all this slide, you know. Because really, you know, we did it, basically. (laughs) I mean, we, we got the spirit of it. He said, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Samuel said, what's that? I hear mooing. (laughs) Mooing. Moo. I hear cows. What cows are those? I hear sheep and goats. Meh. There's calves. What is all that I hear? I hear stuff. Saul sees right away, Samuel ain't going to let it slide. People that are right with God don't let stuff slide. Did you hear me now? He wouldn't have been a real man of God if he'd have played along with Saul's rebellion and deception. Would he? He wouldn't have loved God or Saul. Does he love Saul? He is basically making him look bad. In front of the people right now. Samuel is. Saul's own fault. But does he love Saul? The man stayed up all night crying and praying over him. Trying to get this thing changed. And people in this condition ain't got enough sense to know who really loves them and cares about them. Because all they want is somebody to let them slide and not call them on their stuff. Can you see this? And we live in a society full of people yes. that think love is you letting me do what I want to do right. and leaving me alone. Yep. And if you call them on anything or try to correct them, especially rebuke them, they go, oh, 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 I don't feel the love. Oh, oh, you're you're verbally abusing me. I don't feel the love. Well, you don't even know what love is. Right. Love will grab you by the collar. Yes. Yes. Love will look you in the eye and tell you something you don't want to hear. That's right. Love will not let you slide. That's right, Lord. Love will chasten you yeah. and rebuke you. Yeah. Oh, God. God is love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Samuel said, I, I hear stuff. I am hearing lowing of oxen and bleeding of sheep. What is that? Saul said, well, you know, they... They did bring from the Amalekites, because the people, the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord. Saul is conspicuously absent from this explanation. It was the people, now we know from the scripture, it was him and the people. Already told us that. He wasn't just bowing, bending to their peer pressure. He's king. He wants a parade, I'm telling you. He wanted something to parade in front of him. He said, "Uh, yeah, I know it was the people. The people. You know how people are. The people, they wanted some cows. And they wanted some sheep. But you know... And I understood it. They wanted to sacrifice to the Lord. They just were so glad that God had given them victory. And they wanted to bring these back and honor the Lord. And give a big offering to the Lord. Now that's where a lot of preachers get moon eyed and go, big offering? (laughs) Big offering? Oh, well, why didn't you say so? I mean, a big offering... Well, if it's going to the big offering, well... And see, he thought he's going to slide that past Samuel. A big offering, big offering, big offering, big offering. They brought it. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. He's still trying to say, we did the commandment of the Lord. We did it, you know. Yeah, there's some details here, but we did it. Samuel said to Saul... I want you to stand still right now. And I'm going to tell you what the Lord told me last night. Now, if Saul had any sense at all, he would already be repenting If he had any sense. And Saul says, well, say on. Samuel said, when you were little in your own sight, were you not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed you king over Israel. So many things here. Who made him king? The Lord did. Who put him in there? Why would he even have a place to go on a mission? The Lord did it. Who told, and the Lord's one gave him that mission. And you remember when they anointed him king, he didn't think he was anything high and mighty. They had to go find him in the baggage and pull him out to anoint him. And the Lord is showing him a contrast. He's showing him something has changed in you, buddy. You have changed big time, and it is not for the good. The Lord sent you on a journey. He gave you a job, a simple task. The instructions were very simple. Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites. Fight against them until they be consumed. Wipe them out. Leave nothing. You knew it. He told you. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you fly on the spoil? And you did evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. No. No. Are you listening here now? You are looking at the face of rebellion. This is what rebellion sounds like. It's what it looks like. Rebellion is a deceiver. It tries to act like it didn't know. It tries to act like it wasn't sure. Well, I know you should wipe them out, and then we did. But, you know, we saved Agag and some cows, but you would he knew better. He had a hidden agenda. Mm-hmm. He knew in his own heart he had disobeyed, and he still is arguing. That's right. That's why he never got his place back. Mm-hmm. See, just because you sin, that is not the end. That's right. That's right. It's are you willing to repent? That's right. I believe. This would have been a completely different story if right here, if right here at this place, if Saul would have hit his knees. If he would have hit his knees and said, oh, oh God, I repent, I repent, I repent, I've been a fool, I've been an idiot, I didn't listen to the Lord, I didn't listen to you, I repent. Just knowing God, knowing the scripture, his mercy endures forever. But they're in front of the people. He's getting a dressing down. And he's the king. And it ain't setting well. Are y'all with me now? You see this? They're in front. And I'm telling you, in front of the people is a big part of this whole deal. Why they needed the cows. Why they wanted the sheep. Why they needed Agag. And now, see, he's got this thing, Saul's got this whole thing planned out in his mind, he made him a place at this certain thing, and then he's gonna come, and see, everybody, the Bible said the whole nation of Israel knew Samuel was a prophet. And none of his words fell to the ground. I mean, everybody knew Samuel was a man of God, and he spoke, God spoke through him. The whole nation respected Samuel tremendously. And so now this is the big cherry on top of the pride cake for Saul with Agag and all his cows and sheep and all the army and put Samuel on top. And Samuel goes hand in hand with him. Up to the place in the house of the Lord. And they make the sacrifices in front and front of the people. Somebody say in front of the people. In front of the people. In front of all the people. And actually he gets to use Samuel's respect and Samuel's glory. Do you see this? Pride. Rebellion. Deception. Deception. Man, it's time to be on your face. You have messed up bad. It's time. You know, you need to, if you had any wisdom, you'd realize, I'm about to lose everything I've got. But he said, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone the way which the Lord sent me. I did what he told me to do. Now, who's he talking to? He's looking the man of God that anointed him in his position. And he's arguing with him and he's defying him. I did do what the Lord told me to do. What do you want from me? I went out there and risked my life and we fought while well, you sat back at the temple, the church. I have fought. We did it. We did it. And you're gonna make a big deal out of this little detail? That is the voice of rebellion. That's what rebellion looks like. It makes excuses. It argues. Is it serious? So we live in a society that thinks that's natural. It is so sad that millions of Christian families have gotten their standard for their home life from TV. From sitcoms. And shows where the parents, and I could call some names, but some of the so-called well-known family movies. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Look at it. Yeah. The parents are idiots. That's right. And the children have to tell them what's really going on. That's right. Did you hear me? And it is normal and expected that the children are going to argue with their parents. And the parents just shrug and go to their shrink and ask them, what do I do? It is so ignorant and twisted. And people look at rebellion as a natural and understandable part of development. And it is not. It is a hateful despicable nature of the devil himself. And there is no excuse for it. Nobody, young or old, teenager, child, nobody has to yield to rebellion. Nobody has to. Nobody has to disobey. Nobody has to. That's why you'd have to repent. Because you could have done differently. You could have done the right thing. Are you seeing this, friends? Yes. Is it important? He said, I have done it. I did it. And I brought Agag and have utterly destroyed all the Amalekites. But the people, see, he's still doing this. The people, you know, they took some spoil and some sheep and oxen and some chief things that should have been destroyed, but they didn't take it. To save it, they took it, I told you, to sacrifice to the Lord. This is the sound of rebellion. This is the face of rebellion argues. Rebellion is a deceiver and a liar. Rebellion is choking on its pride. It has a plan. And now you're messing with my plan. People were going to see me and know how important I was. I already had my big victory. You're raining on my parade, Samuel. The people, they took some stuff. Samuel said, does the Lord have as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? You think he's going to be more interested in these offerings you're going to give him than in you doing what he told you to do? And oh, you see that. To this day, God tells people in the church, do this, be a part of that team, go serve with this, go be a part of this. And they don't have time, but they'll just put some money in. Uh You can write a check for $10 million, and it ain't going to excuse your disobedience. That's That's why he says, to obey is better than all the sacrifices, or we'd say today probably offerings... Or gifts that you could do. To obey is better than sacrifice or giving some big thing or offerings. And to listen and pay attention is better than the fat of all these rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Do we see it that way? Does modern Christianity see it that way? When, do people see and view rebellion just like they would witchcraft? No. Do they see stubbornness just like they would idolatry? Huh? No. No. What if I came by one of your houses and I wanted to see you and I knocked on the door but nobody answered and I thought, well, they're there, their car's there, and I walked around and there's the window open, I looked in and there you are practicing witchcraft. I mean, you have killed a goat and a rooster and you got blood and signs drawn on your head and you got stuff drawn in the floor and you got some uh, dolls and you're poking pins in them and you're doing all kind of stuff. And I said, ah, you know, that's just Joe. He practices a little witchcraft here and there. <laughs> but he's a good guy. <laughs> but do we see it? The same as if somebody was a little rebellious. No. No. This is all oh, their little, especially your kids. Oh, they're a little rebellious, but you know, they just, they got a strong spirit. Mm-hmm. To God, it's equal to saying they practice a little witchcraft That's right. on the side here and there. Right. How about stubbornness? There are Christians that are proud of how stubborn they are. They think it shows that they ain't nobody's fool and. But what if I came by somebody else's house? Same thing. I looked in the window and they're down bowing before this stone image. Offering some incense up to it. Praying to this rock. And I said, oh, that's just Betty. She worships idols a little bit. (laughs) A little bit here and there. But she's a good woman. She a little idol worship. Do we see that the same as being a little stubborn Well, God does. Read it out loud with me. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Say it out loud. I'm not a witch. And I'm not rebellious. See, God sees them the same. What else? Stubbornness is as iniquity and Idolatry said out loud, I am, I am not an idol worshiper. And I am not stubborn. I am not stubborn. Thank you, now listen. He's telling Samuel, he said, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. He sees he is not going to change him. I've sinned, which is the right thing to say. I've transgressed the commandment of the Lord in your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Wrong, 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 liar, deceiver, wrong. And you can see as it goes on, he is not repenting. He is not sincere at all. He's just trying to save face in front of the people here. He saw he ain't going to get that other by Samuel, so he just he probably slid in where other people couldn't hear it and said, yeah, You're right, you're right. I've, I've sinned. Yeah. I messed up. You know, the people, yeah. the people, mm-hmm. I was afraid of them, and I did what they told me to do, and I knew better. But, you know, pardon my sin and turn again with me now so we can go up and worship the Lord together. Right now. Mm-mm. See he still got this on his mind. Yes. Instead of repenting. That's right. Samuel said to Saul. I will not return with you. I believe if Saul had really been repentant. Samuel would have responded to him. Right. He would have. Yes. Yes. But he knows. Right. He's looking in his eyes. He's hearing his voice. Now look at another side of rebellion. Rebellion can tell you what it thinks you want to hear. Can you see this? Rebellion is a deceiver and it will play you. Try to. Yeah, you right. I should have listened to you. I should have. I have just, I've been a bad boy. And if you'll pay attention to your heart, you know it is a bunch of junk. They are still trying to get their way. They're just trying to manipulate you now. The other didn't work. So they're going to try this. But there's no repentance. Samuel said, I will not return with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. You're done. And as Samuel turned about to go away, Saul laid hold on the skirt of his mantle. He grabbed him. He grabbed the man of God, tore his clothes. Why? He's going to make him do it. Why? What is more important to him than anything? His parade. People seeing him. Samuel, he had it all planned out in his mind. Samuel will be by my side and we'll have Agag and we'll show him off and it ain't happening. His little parade thing ain't happening. And now he's lied, and he's done this, and he's tried to play him, and none of it's worked. So now he's just going to grab him. He just grabbed him. He's going to make him stay. Tore his clothes. What kind of disrespect is this? For God. And for the man of God. He should love this man. This man prayed for him when other people wouldn't. This man, he should respect this man. And he tore his clothes. Laid hold on the skirt of his garment. It tore. Samuel said to him. The Lord has ripped the kingdom of Israel from you today. And he has given it to a neighbor of yours that is better than you. This is where rebellion will get you. This is what rebellion and stubbornness and disobedience will do to you. He's... uh, You know, finally, uh, Samuel did go with him, and they worshiped the Lord. But how many know it's already done? I mean, it's done. Verse 34, Samuel went to Ramah. Saul went up to the house of Gibeah of Saul. Samuel came no more to see Saul to the day of his death. Isn't that sad? This man, this was his man of God. This was, he never saw him again. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. He loved him. And the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. Well, this doesn't make you want to run and shout. But I don't know if you noticed it or not, but there was a word of the Lord last week. And what's happening is we are all, as a church family, on the verge of promotion. We are not nearly... Into the things God has planned for us. He has planned to use us in places and ways far beyond where we are. Called us, predestined, foreordained and been teaching us and training us and getting ready, getting us ready. But there is something that could keep it from happening. There is something that even though God ordained it from the beginning of time, and even though it's God's call and will for your life, it could keep it from happening. It could rob you of it. Cause you to miss it. Cause you to lose your place. What is it? It's rebellion and disobedience. this stubbornness. this I'm going to do it my way. I don't care what anybody says. Not acknowledging. The Bible says obey them that have the rule over you. You need to acknowledge who God has placed over you. Should Saul have done that on this day? Yeah, he's king, but he ain't the head man. God is the head man. And before he was ever there, there was Samuel. And not only just Samuel, but God is speaking through Samuel. And he would not submit to that. And he would not obey that. And he would not respond to that. And he lost his place for good. Stand on your feet, please. I want us to pray for just a bit about this. I hope you don't think I'm just a preaching to be preaching. I don't want to see you miss it. I don't want to see you or me or any of us lose out on anything God's called us to do. I don't want any of us to wind up like Saul. You know how Saul wound up at the end? Going to witches. For me, I mean, he was so messed up. He's going to the enemy, going to the devil, trying to get direction. Somebody say, not me. me. I'll I'll never go that way. Close your eyes. Let me pray over you. And then I'll lead you in a prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for your mercy today. Thank you for your word. I pray, let your anointing teach us about this the rest of this day, the rest of this evening, tomorrow and the next, and within us. Everybody say it out loud. In me. In me, O Lord, Lord. show Show. what what is stubbornness, what is rebellion. What is, what is disobedience? All of my thoughts, of my thoughts you know afar off. There's not a word in my mouth. But you know it all together. You know, all together. You know my heart. You know, my heart. You, know about me. you know everything about me. All that displeases you. All that, you. All that would grieve you. All that would grieve you. Reveal, it Reveal it to me. Help me to see. What is, what is rebellion? What is disobedience? What is, disobedience? What is pride? What is, pride? What, is what is deception? Help me to see it. Help me to see it. I, choose I choose to resist, to resist it. To resist. I, choose I choose to humble myself before you. I choose, I choose to, trust you to trust you and to obey you. And to obey you. Fully. In Jesus name. I ask for your help. For your anointing. For your revelation. For your strength. For your grace. And I will respond to you. I will yield to you. I will obey you. I will be. Willing. I will, be I will be obedient. obedient. I, will to you I will submit to you. And I will, and I will enjoy, enjoy the best, the best you, have. you have. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge,